Hello, Farah. I'm very, very happy to have you here. How are you today? I'm good. I'm great. Um, for the record, <laughs> <laughs> Halim has stuffed me with a huge, amazing <laughs> meal, and uh, I'm entering a food coma. <laughs> I'm really sorry for that. <laughs> no, but it's, uh, it's, it's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, so, my first question would be, the present, the title in English, is a play on words. The present uh, as uh, the time and as the gift. Did you choose uh, an English title on purpose because Al-Hadiyah in Arabic doesn't have double meaning as in English? Yeah, I wouldn't say that I chose I an English title, but I, I chose that title knowing that it would translate as hadiyah in Arabic, but, of course, for the double meaning that it has in English. Do you see what I mean? So yeah, I yeah. could have called it the gift and al-hadiyah, but it was, yes, a very conscious choice to, 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 to go with the present instead because of that double meaning, for sure. Uh, the ending of the present is more hopeful than what we, sh we would expect. Did you have a different ending in mind? Honestly, when you when you s when you start your sort of story process, um, you have a simple premise. Um, you don't have all the details, um, and I had various um, potential endings. Um, without any sort of spoilers, let's just say that uh, the final ending that we decided upon, um, interestingly enough, was inspired by the father of the girl, Miriam Kench, who plays. Yasmin in the film mm -hmm. and uh, anyway without without ruining it um, he sort of set um, a, a light bulb off in my head and I loved it and I went off and I thought about the different variations of that kind of ending mm -hmm. and the one you see in the film is what I settled on and the reason in many ways being is that I did want to offer something um, as an alternative uh, something more hopeful um, and something that maybe suggests that it is the youth that are coming out stronger and wiser and um, even more um, defiant, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so, yeah. Do you think the hope is in the next generation, meaning <laughs> we don't have any hope now? Well, I think that generation already is, is present. So when I say the next yeah. generation, I mean the sort of younger generation. I don't mean a generation that doesn't exist that's coming. It, it, they, they very much are there and, and present. And I think just recently what's been going on on the ground in, in Palestine um, has reflected that it's the younger generation that have been more vocal, more organized, um, more like I said, defiant mm -hmm. and, and uh, less complacent and not willing to, to, to accept this boot on their neck for much longer, let's yeah, say. Yeah. So I do, I do believe that. And, um, and that makes sense. I mean, m most sort of social movements in, in the world throughout history really are led by the sort of younger generation, if you look back. And, and even those individuals like the Malcolm X's or mm -hmm. I say the Malcolm X's like there's hundreds of them like <laughs> Malcolm X like Martin Luther King you know they were much younger than people think y you know they yeah, were yeah. And, and I mean they were both uh, assassinated before they were even 40 so yeah. in their 30s and they were active in their 20s in very big profound ways so it really comes down to you have to believe that something is wrong but you also have to have 
the hope that youth do have that you can make a change, which unfortunately older generations don't have. Mm-hmm. Older generations recognize something is wrong. They would like to rectify it, but they don't have the hope. And mm. you need the combination of the two to actually achieve change. Um, and that's, yeah. Yeah, that's what I like. Sorry to interrupt you. No, to no, interrupt you. Uh, that's what I liked about the present. It's you, you can feel that between... I don't want to spoil it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's I, look, it is sad to tell you, and you know this, I'm, I'm sure, but the, the, the more realistic outcome in a situation like is presented in the present at Israeli checkpoints yeah, yeah, yeah. is usually, you know, lethal force, death, arrest, injury. And, you know, um, I, that, of course, did cross my mind as a potential mm-hmm. kind of ending as well, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, it would be different. That's for sure. It would be, it would be different because what this film does at the end is lend that hope, mm. and and I want to be part of that, if if you like. Um, and uh, you know, it is it is a fiction film. It is based completely on reality, mm-hmm. but the ending, not so much. But yeah. I think that that's okay. You know, it's uh, yeah, seems it, it seems to have resonated with people. It looks like nothing. I mean, you need we need a little a little bit of fairy tale at some point. Yeah, but I think I think also it lends to ignite. If when you provide that hope, then the people fighting the good fight, if mm-hmm. you like, um, are fueled. Yeah. But yep. if you present them with only the sort of death and disaster that sadly in many cases is the reality, mm-hmm. then unfortunately that doesn't fuel and encourage and excite those who want to participate in bringing change. So you, it's, it's a fine line, you know? Yeah, yeah uh, of course. When was the first time you visit, visited Palestine? The first time I was very young. I, 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 I visited Palestine many times when mm-hmm. I was a child. So, you know, back and forth um, from London. And, um, and then around the first intifada, mm-hmm. um, so around 87, 88, uh, after that, we didn't go back for for over twenty five years. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then I then but I was visited. You, was you old enough to uh, understand what yeah, was happening? Yeah, yeah. Yes, certainly. I mean, you know, we have memories, and at that time, you know, the Israeli military were very present within sometimes the cities, like in Nablus, mm-hmm. and you know, you and of course, you know, when you cross the 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 bridge, and then mm-hmm. you know, it was the military there actually, the Israeli military. Nowadays, things are a bit changed and different, but. I do, we do recall, you know, a lot of things. That said, my memories are also nice and pleasant. Mm. And, you know, whether it was visiting um, family and, you know, the lemonade, the fresh lemonade (laughs) they would make and donkey rides and horse cart rides. And, you know, I remember those (laughs) things as well. But then sort of 25 years later, I went back um, around, I guess it's seven, eight years ago. And I'm now seeing and witnessing Palestine through an adult lens Mm -hmm. and um and really the injustice there is so overwhelming it's Mm -hmm. colossal really um and so very different experiences 25 years later yeah as your character says in your short movie oceans of injustice do you really need to visit palestine to feel and fully understand the immense pain how and to what extent can we understand it otherwise Mm. I think in an ideal way and world, yes. You know, if you can go, you should, you must. Because obviously witnessing, experiencing, feeling, understanding, you know, on the ground with your own two eyes, uh, there's no substitute for that, Mm -hmm. ultimately. Mm -hmm. Um, And in my case, um, as, as that film, Oceans of Injustice, takes you through that journey is, 
I really thought I did understand what was happening on the ground. But really, you can read as many books as you like and you can watch all sorts of videos and YouTube videos and read the reports and the facts and the figures and all of it. But really, it, it, it was when I was on the ground there, it hit me like a ton of bricks. The extent, the, 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 the how systematic, how institutionalized the oppression is, how widespread, how colossal, that's the word mm. I use. It really is colossal. And that's where this sort of title of oceans of injustice, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it really is overwhelming. Now, I, I recognize that not everyone can go and visit. And I also recognize that everyone, you know, is going to go and visit, right? And it can't be that that's it. That's the limit of how, you know, people will understand Palestine. But I think in many ways, maybe that's why I felt so inspired and motivated to become a filmmaker mm -hmm. is because I was like, okay, then in that case, let me bring Palestine to them, to people around the world. Um, not with the reports and the facts and the figures and the maps and the truths and the proofs um, in the more traditional sense, but through art, through mm -hmm. the power of cinema, and, and transition Palestine to them in a way where they can hopefully uh, understand the reality on the ground a bit more. I don't know how we could live with that injustice for so many years, but in the same time, we have to push. We don't have any other choice. Mm. So in other, in other words, for people like me, uh, how, how, we, how could we able to help in any way or shape? Mm. Well, I mean, you know, everyone, everyone has their role, right? Their mm -hmm. part to play. And, and it can be very small. It could be mediocre and it could be extreme. I mm. mean, in my case, for example, I really changed the trajectory of my entire life because I felt compelled to, right? Um, I don't expect everyone to, to do that or pr pursue, you know, um, justice for Palestine, freedom for Palestinians is their, their only issue or goal. But the, the important thing is to be active, is mm -hmm. to get involved, is not to um, disconnect from it or become indifferent. Um, and I don't say that just as Palestinians, Arabs, or I mean, it's just human beings. And ultimately, I always say, you know, if not Palestine, find something else, for God's sake. But when it comes to Palestine, ultimately, you're right. It's been going on for decades. And we're in the 21st century here. Yeah. And we're talking about not only military occupation. We are talking about apartheid, which, again, Palestinians have known, have been saying for a long time. And recently, even, you know, the Human Rights Watch, um, their report sort of confirming this is apartheid. Um, and so as, as human beings around the world, well, we didn't stand for that decades ago in South Africa. You mean to say now in the 21st century, we're going to accept this? This is okay? It's not okay. And so everyone needs to kind of get involved and do their part. Now it's going for longer. I mean, way too long. It's more than more than Yes, yes, of course. But, you know, this is, this is where I think ultimately... I believe that um, that tides are changing. I believe that in many ways the power of, of technology and this communications revolution that's pretty much in the palm of every mm. Western citizen, um, you know, where we can literally look at our phones and our iPads and receive news, transatlantic news, social media, videos from Gaza, videos from the West Bank and Sheikh Jarrah and mm -hmm. how homes being demolished and so forth. Um, and I think that people's eyes are opening up. Now, what, what has taken place in the last, let's say, five years is maybe what was required in the last 50 years. Mm -hmm. Who knows, right? Mm -hmm. So the important thing is to get 
on the train, mm -hmm. get involved, get behind the momentum. And the ways you can do that are numerous. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's, I mean, ev even this podcast, us discussing, you know, um, whether it's um, being vocal, talk about it. You're at a dinner party, why shy away? Why are we always not talking about these issues? Or, you know, uh, whether it's volunteering, whether it's um, lending yourself from a charitable point of view, even if it's small amounts, we have to believe in the power of incrementalism, mm -hmm. which is, you know, one plus one plus one, yeah, plus yeah, it yeah. adds up. Right. We can't all sit there and think, oh, well, what's the point if, if my $10 doesn't make a difference? No, it does make a difference. Oh. Believe it, do it, get involved. Join solidarity campaigns, sign those protests, you know, and, 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 um, and uh, join the protests and, and, and sign the petitions and, um, Use your talents, so whether it's creativity in terms of art, uh, become a filmmaker, you know, why not? Yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah, of course, there's yeah. a, there's, there, there is a lot. Now, of course, I'm talking about, you know, uh, on the individual level. Mm -hmm. um, of course, if you're someone who wants to go off and run for Congress, great, do that. But if not, at least write your letter to your, you know, representatives and yep. things like that. So you can go small, you can go big, but do something, get involved. And, and, and make it something that is persistent. And I believe, honestly, that it's the amalgamation mm -hmm. that actually will bring change. Yes, we talk about our Gandhis and uh, who, who's our, you know. Yes, there are people at the forefront, but it's, 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 there's power in, in numbers, mm -hmm. power in people, mm -hmm. and that's what we, we need to do. Do you think the Palestinian diaspora is doing their job, is doing its, its job? I think there's more. So I, I feel like, I don't think we've done a great job, mm -hmm. to be honest. And I still don't think we're doing a great job. I think we're doing better than before. And mm -hmm. again, I think we can sort of thank technology in some ways mm -hmm. for that, because now I can hear about a success story all the way across in America of you know people uh, protesting and actually getting mm -hmm. something approved or rejected or whatever it is. Um, I can recognize that my action here has impacted something on the ground in Palestine because of the, the, the ease with which we can get that information, right? So I, I, I think that we are becoming more inspired and motivated. Even things like the arts and film mm -hmm. and all of that of it means, again, now we've got, so for example, the present. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that this film, maybe 10 years ago, might not have been seen all around the world. But when it was, it was a, a big inspiration and motivation for so many, Palestinian, non-Palestinian, um, and it was a tool as well where people said, okay, you know, this is a, a film we can share with friends who don't quite understand what's going on. And I received, I received emails from random people from America, Americans, not, not Arab yeah, in yeah, any shape, yeah, form, or yeah, fashion. Yeah. Even they had seen uh, sort of an article in, in uh, one of the newspapers mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. sort of said, that's why I watched your film. And after I watched your film, I was shocked and appalled. And therefore, I therefore did research. And from there, I shared it with my family. And so ultimately, I think it's improving. Mm -hmm. But there is more. Mm -hmm. And I think it has to be a collective effort. And I think technology will allow us to have that more collective, organized effort because now you can communicate in ways you mm -hmm. never could have communicated to organize and break through untrue narratives you know you can you can bypass the traditional gatekeepers of 
the yeah. Zionist narrative yeah, yeah, of yeah. the untrue narratives in ways never done before. Yeah, yeah. By doing that, Palestinians as well in diaspora, in exile, are becoming even more aware and enlightened about the reality on the ground that, by the way, many do not know the extent of which mm -hmm. because they are not allowed to travel there, for example, or because of the lack of media that was previously you know, available to them or reaching them. Um, I, I think that there's an awakening of kind, if you like, mm -hmm. um, and I hope to see more of it, but I think there is the potential for a lot more. How familiar were you with the process of filmmaking before you start your career as a producer? <laughs> well, that's the interesting part. Um, honestly, honestly, um, I have loved films since, you know, very, very, very young. So do you remember the first film you watched? Oh, I can't tell you the first film I watched because I can't remember what it was, but I know I enjoyed films like <laughs> The Goonies and, you know, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but no, but I mean, just, uh, you know, I, I've always loved film. I've always loved theater as well. Um, so from a very young age. And I also participate in a lot of theater at school mm -hmm. and things like that. So I, I love film, right? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I love theater. Um, but I have n never worked in the industry prior to sort of deciding and choosing to jump in the deep end and, and produce my first few films. And I have no formal education in filmmaking whatsoever either. Sorry to interrupt you. Mm. What do you think uh, made you change your career like this from mm -mm. one day to another? Mm. Well, for sure, the short version is, the, is that I went home. I, I mean, to my mm. blood country. Yeah, I went to yeah. Palestine only a few years back and then... Um, that really hit me in a way where, as, as cheesy as it sounds, I, I decided I, I, I needed to change the trajectory of my life. It didn't happen instantaneously. It took yeah. me two years to figure that out. Um, and feeling in that two-year period very frustrated and depressed and angry and sad and all of it. Um, but it was what I saw on the ground and, and thought, no, I, I've got to get involved beyond charity and beyond just sympathy. Mm -hmm. It needs to go deeper than that. And, uh, and, and really film made sense to me. So, so when I say sort of, for me, I spent those two years saying, well, hold on, why is it this has gone on for so long and on such a scale? Even though Palestinians have, 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 have truth and right on their side. I mean, this is, you know, uh, clear. And of course, there's many, many reasons. But I recognize that this idea of colonialism mm -hmm. and, and all colonists in history, basically, uh, ensuring that you know, the way they carry out what they carry out is to ensure that the indigenous people that they are colonizing are dehumanized, mm -hmm. branded as barbarians, and then their very existence is denied. And they do this so that people of goodwill will not feel mm. with that population right yeah, internal yeah. external consumption for people to go oh i don't feel with this population then you can carry out what whatever the hell you want to against that population mm -hmm. with no recourse no one's going to bother stopping you and that became very clear to me and settler colonialism is no exception to this palestinians have been severely dehumanized um meticulously methodically deliberately um, so it was it was a kind of moment of like, okay, I could go off and maybe try start a charity. Maybe I could start a, an NGO of some kind. Maybe. And I thought, I looked around and I thought, but a lot of that already exists. But what's kind of missing? Of course, we have films and cinema mm -hmm. and books. And, but I really felt that it's, it is on the engagement front, engaging people 
on this on this subject, on mm-hmm. this issue, through the EQ, through the heart, rather than the IQ, if you like, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, and really, the most powerful means of speaking to people's hearts is through art. Yeah. You know, it's beautiful, powerful. Uh, yeah. Um, when you see Guernica, I mean, you don't you don't need to to leave what Franco did to Spain. Mm. You just have to watch the painting. And mm. That's it. Mm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, it's similar with movies. In my yes, opinion. yes, yeah. It's 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 great. It's like well, in that case, you know, when you talk about like a picture speaks a million words. Yeah, or, you know, exactly. Um, yes. and, and the same with with film, sort of a whether it's a thirty-minute film, yeah. one-hour film, two-hour film. Um, the power of cinema is really profound. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really is. This is what I felt called to. Of course. I mean, ultimately, I'm not going to lie. There was a part of me that wanted to really express myself creatively, um, while at the same time recognizing this was a beautiful means to to give some kind of uh, uh, voice to the silence, to the oppressed. Mm-hmm. And th- that was my calling. It, it, it just is what it is, because th- the way I started was I adapted some writings that I had done over the couple of years prior to choosing to become a filmmaker, mm-hmm. which I had no idea I was going to be a filmmaker when I wrote them. I wrote them from my heart, and I wrote them based on my reality, my feelings, my experiences. And so, you know, it just made sense to me that that really it's engaging people and, ex- and, and expressing yourself um, through storytelling. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, stories are the currency of life. That's what resonates with people. Is Oceans of Injustice one of them? The Oceans, of yes, it's yeah. a, it's an adaptation of yeah. my first writing, mm-hmm. actually. Um, and uh, the funny thing is, my first three short films, well, my first two, uh, so there's Today They Took My Son as well. Yeah. Um, I kind of made them at the same time, and they were both adaptations mm-hmm. of of my personal writings, my therapeutic personal writings. But they're all on YouTube. It's just for people to understand. Um, they are on YouTube. They are on various um, platforms. Because um, I saw them on, I think it was one of your, fo- one of your channels. Yeah, there's YouTube and Vimeo and yep. on the website. And, and so there you can access them from farahnabulsi.com, but you yep. can also access them from nativeliberty.org. Oceans of Injustice is on oceansofinjustice.com, yes, yeah, yeah, which yeah. Uh, you know you know is a website where yep. I've deconstructed occupation, mm-hmm. um, and so I would encourage people to go and take a look at that website as well. And it, they're on various platforms as well, so film mm-hmm. platforms. Sure. Um, whereas the present had a different path because that was a different. Um, yeah, the, the present. Mm-hmm. I can say it. The present is on Netflix. It's uh, for anyone who wants to watch it. I uh, recommend everyone to watch it. Oh, thank you. Because yeah. it's, uh, I like the story. It's simple but complex uh, on the same time. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, under the line meanings. Yes, so yes. It's so simple. <laughs> but again, I don't want to spoil it to people who do yeah. not watch it. So please. No, I mean, you can, you know, it. you can say a few <laughs> things. But no, it's on Netflix, but it's it's so Netflix worldwide, but it's also available in certain places. Amazon Prime. It's ah, um, okay. Canal yeah. Plus, um, ah, Telefonica. Okay. Um, uh, in Japan, it's being distributed by different. Ah, like amazing. there's um, yeah, yeah, yeah it's Vimeo on demand as well. Ah, okay, nice. So there's there's a lot going on, but Netflix is obviously the main one, and nice. that's worldwide. Yeah, yeah, good to know because uh, yeah, it's a very very good uh, short movie. But because it's so, uh, in my opinion, it's harder to do uh, a short length movie or short movie mm. than uh, a feature film because mm. in a feature film you have a little bit more space, you have a little bit. Much more space and much more time to talk about one idea rather mm. than a short movie. You have to be uh, very, yeah, 
short and at the same time going straight to the to the goal and have it being artistic mm. so it's you squeezing everything mm. together so yeah well done <laughs> thank you I, by the way though i do think like certain films need that length because mm -hmm. you're examining a lot more or there's a lot you know and and there's a plot that's a lot more detailed and so and there's so there's something to be said for that but with this for sure it was a short and there was no need to make it any longer mm -hmm. and it is like you said simple and yet it really does speak volumes about the absurd reality on the ground. Yeah. Good job. Thank it's you. Uh, it was uh, was a great experience. Thank you. Um, with impactful work like yours, uh, Anne Marie and Jessel, Raad uh, Andoni, Elias Suleiman, and so many more, do you think Palestinian cinema is finally starting to get the recognition it deserves? I I think I think. Given the circumstances, I think Palestinian cinema has been doing pretty well. It's amazing. Yeah, actually. you know what I mean. It's like, amazing. yeah, and um, and you know, of course, prior to to the present and hopefully moving forward past the present, I know there's a lot coming as well. Yeah. Um, and I think it's exciting in that sense. Um, it's sad to me because a I do think there's a lot of talent on the ground in mm. in, in in Palestine that you know, uh, unfortunately can't do the work as much or as regularly or as consistently as other people in a film industry could elsewhere, you with know? With these conditions, uh, with uh, all this chaos, look at what's happening. Imagine if it was like... Exactly. So that's the thing. That's the thing. Exactly. So given the circumstances, amazing. Uh, but yeah. now imagine if that wasn't the circumstance where we could go with our filmmaking. Well, yeah. So... Um, <laughs> I would love to see that. Yeah. I hope I would. Yeah. I mean, I can live enough to, to see that. Inshallah, <laughs> we will. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I interrupted, interrupted you. No, no. Okay. So it was, it was just <laughs> to say, I'd like you know, I'm excited about what can could be as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. Today, half of the Palestinian films are directed by women. Uh, said my uh, Masri in an interview to the Economic Times. Masri is a pioneer director, known for Under the Rubbles, uh, Rubble, sorry, and more recently, Three Thousand Nights. What can other countries learn from pl Palestine? I think just exactly that is, you know, it, it should be um, very possible for, for f women, females, to, uh, to blossom in the film industry. Um, but honestly, I don't think it's that Palestine decided that. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. just that we are... Um, I think in the Arab world, by the way, I don't think it's just in Palestine... I think in the Arab world there are, there is probably an equal amount of female filmmakers as men as male, approximately mm -hmm. or certainly more than the ratio is in in Europe and in the yeah, in, in the mean, West. At, basically, at least in the UK, the disparity U is quite noticeable. I mean, UK, uh, US, US, it's even worse. and it's kind of ironic, isn't it? Because people assume that somehow it wouldn't be women. Now, of course, we know it's also been culturally. Uh, I think. I think maybe when we talk about the arts mm -hmm. in the Arab world, culturally, um, it was maybe more po more possible or expected yep. for females to end up in the arts mm -hmm. than men, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm sure there is that influence in terms of what's taken place in the Arab world. Um, it's not that women, more women are doing it, it's that maybe less men 
are. Do you, do you see what yeah, I mean? I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, Whereas yeah, in, the, in, in, in the West, it's just a, a different dynamic. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. ultimately, these are all incredible, independent women who are like, right, I want to be a filmmaker, and they're, they're pursuing it. It's not that this has been government-funded or influenced or <laughs> that we, we don't have any yeah, film yeah. funds. We don't have... Whereas, for example, somewhere in Sweden, no, the government film money has a mandate in recent yeah, years yeah, yeah. to say we must fund you know, more female films and mm -hmm. so forth. We don't have any of that going on. We just have determined women <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who yeah, are, you exactly. know, yeah, saying, yeah. right, I want to be a, uh, a which filmmaker. Is which is incredible because it's not easy to decide by yourself, okay, I'm going to leave my career and start a film filmmaking film film career from, not, not maybe from one day to another, but two years is not much. Yeah, yeah, case. no. I mean, what it was, I, I was banking. I also ran a business for 10 years as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it wasn't easy, but it felt right. Okay. And so maybe, how do I say, um, I, once, I, once I knew what it was I wanted to do, it was terrifying, but I, um, I just, I, how do I say, I, I just knew mm -hmm. that I was on the right path okay. in that sense. It felt right. Yeah, yeah. And so it didn't matter how terrifying it was. And it was a sink or swim moment. It was like, just do this. Just, just do it. You know, like, <laughs> Nike tip. <laughs> just do it. Yeah. So... Why did you choose cinema as means of communicating the Palestinian people's struggle? I think it comes back to, to what we were saying a little earlier, this idea that I believe empathy, because we talk mm -hmm. about this idea of dehumanization and, and labeling us as sort of barbarians and terrorists and so forth. I think it's really important that empathy is in the formula um, in terms of what can bring people to recognize another's humanity and take action for the oppressed, mm -hmm, if you like. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, if you feel sympathy for, for an oppressed person or people, um, that, that's fine, but that's not going to drive you to want to actually bring it to an end, to, to take meaningful action. Mm -hmm. Whereas empathy, um, it has been proven time and time again um, that empathy is what can change people's minds on a subject. You affect them directly. Yes, and they will move away from maybe their original positions or they feel compelled to, to, to take action in that sense. And really, the power of art, and m most specifically, in my opinion, film, mm -hmm. um, has that, that capability of, of drawing empathy. And, and it's not about being um, contrived about it. Any good storytelling mm -hmm. or any good filmmaking if you like um ha should speak to people's hearts mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. it, it, it should you know naturally your stories and your characters should yeah, yeah, yeah. be humanizing and cause empathy right mm -hmm. whether it's and and different types of emotions i mean that's what a good film is right the emotional journey yes so it's recognizing that film you can do that through film in the most incredible ways. There's no limit to the stories you can tell or the ways you can tell them. Mm -hmm. So it just seems so logical to me, given my love of film and what it was I felt was missing in terms of how people feel when it comes to the Palestinian cause. Um, yeah, I think that's... Uh, you are truly talented, in my opinion, because it's not that easy to, transi to transition from one career to another. And... Uh, in my opinion, did not take you take you long. <laughs> I think in many people's opinions, maybe yeah, I don't know, <laughs> considering <but> the whole <laughs> Oscar BAFTA thing, where I was like, 
Oh, okay, that happened pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, it's, to be honest, it's not about that. You can feel the progress progression. I mean, the the you you evolve so quickly from mm. your first uh, uh, written pr mm. produced movie mm. until the last one. Yeah, but to be fair, you know, when I started, I like I said, it was I'm going blind. I don't. I've never done this before, mm -hmm. and I'm using these writings as adaptations. Okay, so, so you had a good writing skills before, because writing is everything for a movie. Yeah, sure, but th but the f the first three shorts were very different to the present. They were more portrait, mm -hmm. more tone poem, mm -hmm. more experimental. Yeah, especially Ocean, uh, Oceans of Unjustice. Yeah. Each yeah. one is different yeah, to the yeah, other, yeah, but yeah, they're no, experimental. They're so really, you could say that was me getting to know myself, me just expressing myself artistically. Mm -hmm. um, and I was just using what I had, which were these pieces that were raw, that I had written from my heart. It wasn't necessarily the filmmaker that I was intending to be. I, I, I don't know. You know, I didn't yeah, know at that yeah, point. Yeah. All I know is that I had these pieces. I needed to express myself. Mm -hmm. Screw it. I'm going to go and do it. <laughs> and I'm going to, right? Now I'm in the industry. I have this inspiration for this story. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, it's not an adaptation. I'm not, it's not tone poem. It's not, you know, it's traditional film, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so now this is the moment where I said, okay, am I going to direct my first film? Mm. Of course, I was terrified, you know. <laughs> I and, can imagine. And, you know, but at the same time, um, with the encouragement of people and also recognizing, you know, that to direct, really, you don't have to have gone to film school. Um, if you can, great, do it. But it, you don't have to yeah, have. Yeah. We were discussing, you know, Stanley yeah, Kubrick, yeah, yeah, yeah. best education in film is to make one. Yes, exactly. Which I couldn't agree more with, <laughs> um, clearly. <laughs> and... Um, and me seeing in my mind's eye very clearly, very vividly, the whole world of the present as a film, mm -hmm. right? And so I, I take this plunge, and this is the film I made. So was this, was this the director I was three, four years ago? Maybe, I don't know. But we know that this is the first film. Yeah, I'm sure it was there, but it, it has some time to show up. Yeah, and, and, and just kind of understanding yeah, this of world course. and yeah, yeah. It, it's my sister she said to me you know when I got into the film industry she said you know Farah anyone who knew you as a teenager knows you're exactly where you're supposed to be and she recognized okay. this sort of creative side to me I guess or mm -hmm. uh, you know which I hadn't necessarily used or extended as much as maybe I should have in the last you know god knows 20 mm -hmm. years mm -hmm. so yeah. that's amazing I mean even yeah we wish we you could have started earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe or maybe not. Maybe the kind of person I was, you know, 15, yeah, 20 years ago. Yeah, maybe you needed actually. Yeah. yeah, you needed that yeah. time to discover yourself yeah. differently. Yeah. Or maybe that trip back home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and exactly. then yeah, something cooked in your mind. Is, okay, yeah, let's do it now. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. As a French Tunisian, I've had a hard time finding where I belong. Do you ever experience an identity crisis, crisis as a British pal Palestinian? Have there been instances that alienated you that you'd, uh, you'd like to share with us? I gotta be honest. Um, I don't have an identity crisis. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful I don't. I don't think I do. I don't feel like I do. I've never felt... Um, like the imposter or the outsider mm. or that I don't belong. Um, and I feel lucky for that, of course, Yanni. I'm grateful for that. Uh, yeah, born and raised in, in London, in England, and lived a life where I assimilated 
in a way where, and I, I think that's wonderful about London as well. There's so many different people and backgrounds and you know, cultures and all of it, and that's what makes London great, actually. Or the, you know, you can call yourself a Londoner even if you never, if, if you're not born in, in London. Yeah, in sure. London. And yeah. in my case, I was. So it was yeah, like you know, case, I, yes, I really yeah. was. But imagine you know, if you're. I'm not. I'm. Not, I was not born in a race. You can yeah. hear that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't hear no. <laughs> so. Uh, I was born and raised in France, but yeah, uh, I feel like a Londoner, even if I, I feel I belong to this city, mm. even if I, did, I was not like you, was born and raised here. Mm. But, okay, but a, a French, do, no, you, no, do, you yeah. do you question anything yeah, about being at French? Some, at some point in my life, I had, I did not, I felt that I did not belong either here or there, mm. and then I accepted myself, I said, I could be both, why, mm. why I can mm. be both, why mm. I have to choose, Exactly. I don't have to choose between being French or Tunisian, I can be both, yeah. so yeah. I choose to be both. Yeah. And you can also just be a human being as well, yeah, and you course. can also be, you know, and this is, this is the thing for me, so I, I never sat there thinking, oh, who, who am I, where am I from, no, it, it was very clear to me, and I think part of it was how I was raised as well, yeah, yeah. is you are British, and you are Palestinian. Yeah. Your blood running through your veins is Palestinian, but your life, your your where you're born, where you've been raised, it is British, and 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 it's it's both in that sense. But I recognize full well that I am 100% Arab. Yeah, yeah. And and I embrace that. Now, of course, when I'm in the Arab world and I'm not speaking great Arabic, and again, I'm grateful that I do speak Arabic. It's just not great. Um, you know, there are moments I'm like, ooh, am I the outsider? But again, I think many times it's what you decide. So when I, when I take my space, let's say I'm visiting, I'm in an Arab country, I'm in Palestine, and I claim my space. No, I'm just as Palestinian as you to a Palestinian. Yeah. They embrace that and we're done. Like I don't, I, I don't, I, I don't let anyone else decide for me where mm -hmm. I'm from. And I don't need to be so clear on everything to know who I am, if you like. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and that served me. It served me well because I, 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 you know, and I understand that's not necessarily the case for everyone. I also yeah, understand. It was, not, it was not my case. And for instance, uh, because, sorry to interrupt you, no, but no. in my teenage years, it was a little bit difficult for me because if you go to Tunisia, yeah, you're not from here, you're French. If you were, well, actually, since I was born and grew up in Corsica, I never had, I had some issues when I was a kid, but it's nothing. Mm. <laughs> when I moved to the continent, because we call this a continent, because we, we are an island, mm. <laughs> I, I encountered issues then, there. Mm. So it was a little bit of a shock, because in my opinion, because everyone is saying, yeah, Corsica, Corsicans are racist, but... <laughs> <laughs> they're not comparing <laughs> to what's what what uh, what uh, I encountered yeah. encountered when I was in the in the continent. All right. So, but I, again, as you said, as you well said, you you know how to work with yourself and uh, fix your own issues. You don't need. Yeah, and I I don't think I'm a very nationalistic person. No, 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 no. So so the thing is, I don't I don't look. I'm not like. Oh, you know, nationalistic about Britain. I'm not nationalistic even about Palestine. So for me, it's it's. It's um, it's your friends, it's your family, it's your surroundings. It's not necessarily the label of this or that. So it's how I, and 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 frankly, honestly, you know, the racism that exists, you know, is is just not. Whether it's in the UK, whether it's in France, it's whether everywhere. It's, it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So that 
that's their problem. Whoever's, you know, racist about, mm. you know, oh, you're not from here. And, I mean, it's just ridiculous. We can talk about who came from where over the last hundred years. Oh, 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 yeah. So to me, all of that <laughs> is so ending. ridiculous and pathetic. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could it's just, here I am. I was born here, raised here. I do that. Uh, my blood is this. That. That's it. Yeah. Done. We're done. Let's yeah. get over it, everyone. And like, look at me as, as a human being and for the fabric of who I am. And if you can't look at me that way, then that's, you know... That's your that's problem. That's yeah. not my problem. And I'm not going to let it be my problem is the point. So I think it's more of a mental state that I have chosen to have in my life. You don't get to define my mental state. I'm going to define my mental state. I totally agree with you This is what, because this is what uh, happened to me, basically. So when I changed my mon- mentality, then I accepted my, actually, my two sides, if I can Yes, say your reality of yeah, who, you, reality. You know, who you are. But again, and I don't yeah. have to choose. I mm. can have both or even three, like, identities. I mean, identities, like, <laughs> origins. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm not> Hello, whatever. That's called schizophrenia. <laughs> That's completely different. Completely different <laughs> to what we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I was able to, to understand myself. And yes. I know the struggle for many people it was not was not i mean it's different from one person to another but uh, i'm happy that i was able at some point of my life like early 20s i was able okay yeah i mean i don't have again i don't have to choose i'm this you like it perfect you don't perfect i don't care yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't care done. anymore i'm yeah. not gonna let it bother me yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. Uh, why yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay so Alfred Hitchcock famously said, I don't believe in um, improvisation on the set. I can visualize an entire picture on paper from the beginning. It's better to improvise on your office before the film starts. Can you relate to that process? How much of your work is um, improvised? Or do you know, do you also feel the need to have anything, anything ready? Oh, I can relate to that majorly. Um, I will say though that, and I'll, and I'll kind of go into it a bit, but on the present, I was so organized, me personally, I'm mm-hmm. talking about, I'm not saying the whole set and everything was so, or- I'm just saying me, I, I, I tried to be as organized as I could be. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I was because mm-hmm. it was, there was madness all around and all that. And, but I tried to be as organized as possible. And I do have a slight regret that I didn't leave room for myself to, to improvise much on that particular mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Now, I know why. It was A, that we were so tight on time. We were so tight with so many things and issues and whatever. And at the same time, it was the first film I'd ever directed. So mm-hmm. I was really sticking to my plan, you know, okay, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and it had to be that way for me as a first film. But I do wonder, you know, ooh, there was that shot I really should have taken. Like, for example, I, I don't know if you remember, but he's in the cage. And yeah. there's the drilling. Yeah. Okay, so the mm-hmm. sound engineering, there's drilling, Spoiler drilling, drilling. <laughs> well, no. Nah. Um, and the drilling was because there was actually drilling going on on a hilltop nearby uh, in an illegal Israeli settlement. Mm-hmm. And it was very frustrating to shoot the film with that background noise, but unfortunately we had to. And so what I decided to do in the sound engineering was let's just use that drilling as part of the sound engineering for that scene, okay? And mm-hmm. we really, and we built on it and we layered it. But why didn't I turn the camera at one point and actually shoot that settlement, for example? Yeah, yeah. Didn't even cross my mind when I was on the ground. I was on uh, under such pressure. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So now that moving forward, I know you have to leave some room 
for improvisation. You you mm. you do, and and even with the actors. And again, I didn't need to do it for this film, yeah. but. You know, I know as as I move forward, there has to be some breathing room for that because things can happen in the moment that warrant that spontaneity. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. and y- you shouldn't lose that. On the contrary, those can be some beautiful moments. In Oceans of Injustice, for example, there's the kofia scarf under the water mm-hmm. that we shot. That was me purely improvising at the time with the director himself, and I sort of said, "Look." How about we drop this scarf in the water and film it going down the water? I, I, you know, I think that's beautiful imagery. And we did it and actually beautiful in the film. So um, you must improvise a little bit, sure. But I'm very Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> as far <laughs> as I'm concerned, I love going into the dreaming room. I constantly think, you know, and moving forward, I'm going to be, you know, working on my feature and I'm, I've already looking, got looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm writing notes and note anything that comes to my mind when I'm visualizing and I, I I want to be organized. I think that in many ways the worst thing you can do is arrive on set and not be as organized as possible. There's so many moving parts. Um, your set should be as organized as possible, your cast, your crew, everyone, and you yourself as a director really should I, I at least me, I mm-hmm. believe. Mm-hmm. I want to know what it is I want. And that is the way I'm going to be able to achieve that. Not if on the spot I'm trying to figure out what it is I want. I don't think that's fair to everyone around you either. Um, you may be in the privileged position to be completely indifferent and, and spontane- sponta- spontaneous if you're not on, you know, if you're on some big budget and you're mm. maybe. I can't speak to that. <laughs> so <laughs> what I know is the more organized, the more like you know he said improvise in your office figure it out have all the exciting ideas you know there figure out how you're going to carry those things out as early as you can as clearly as you can and then on the ground leave a little room a little breathing room yeah i couldn't agree more <laughs> because yeah in my opinion as well uh, yeah you have to be very very well organized otherwise especially you where, where you have a very tight budget you can decide to spread <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. little mon- that little money everywhere. You wear many different hats in the craft of filmmaking. Which one do you lean towards the most? I think now, directing. Okay. Um, uh, but do you think, because uh, for instance, Alfonso Cuaron likes to write and direct. For him, uh, it d- it you can't be director if you're not a writer. If you didn't write what it is yeah. you're directing. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, I, w- let's put it the other way around. Okay. I would like to only write mm-hmm. for things that I am directing. Okay? okay. So I'm not, I'm not someone who'd say, I'll just write and I'm not going to direct this. Now, moving forward. Prior, ah, I, I had those pieces, right? Yeah, yeah, But yeah. now that I've, you know, so. So meaning, whatever you write, you have to direct. I would like to be the one to direct. But yes. If it's someone else that is as talented as you. Who would you like to take over your script? What do, <laughs> what do you do then? <laughs> no, so, s- no, so no, 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 no. <laughs> so you, what you're trying to say is, I have a great script that I wrote and some incredible director comes along. Am I going to give yeah. up my script for them? No, that's my point. <laughs> you see? So it's the other way. So what I write, yeah. I would like to direct. Okay. And I'm only really going to write something that I'm really passionate about or that it is, I'm inspired by, it is, it is my script, But right? would you do the... W- but yeah, I sorry. would direct yeah, yeah, exactly. something someone else has written mm-hmm. 
as as long as of course what they've written resonates with me and is is something exciting and and powerful or i co-write it or you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's that way around so in terms of now i wear those hats in some ways because i have to because mm -hmm. again it's independent cinema and i also feel that given my past experiences in investment banking in running a business um there are certain skills and and um skill sets and abilities that i have gained and, and know and even my um, understanding of numbers and budgets and you know i'm not intimidated by that yeah, yeah. so it, it seems that i'm i don't say a jack of all trades master of none but that my my mind is kind of balanced in that sense of mm -hmm. like the numbers side as well as the creative side and so forth so i i feel like i have something to add and i can you know produce and you know even executive produce and and write and uh, do I think I'm incredible at any of them? No, <laughs> you know, but, but it's like what I'm leaning towards mm -hmm. is I'd like to direct. Yep. Um, and I would direct even something I haven't written, but, but I'm not interested to write for someone else yeah, to I direct. See, I, see. <laughs> I see. And understood. <laughs> and if I could wave a wand and have an incredible producer just take over all of my work and raise all the money as well, then I, yeah, that, that's the part yeah, that I don't really need to be doing, but I, I do. You you're doing so many things at at, at the same time. Y yeah, I see. I see what you mean. Uh, it's very hard to focus on one thing m without f thinking about other other thing at the same time. So yeah, you need someone to do it as best as yeah, I can. Yeah, and then I'm, and yeah, and I also think it's in stages though as well a little bit. And so you know, I'll be in a stage where I'm like producing and executive producing in my mind and doing all this. Mm -hmm. The writing phase has already happened, let's say, and now I'm like, okay, now that's settled go into the dreaming room now a lot more, be mm -hmm. the director you need to be, focus on that, work on that, and you know, and then you, you head yep. to your prep and your shoot, and then after that, you kind of put various hats on again. And, you <laughs> know, so it's, yeah. Uh, would you ever be interested in writing a sci-fi movie? Ah, uh, writing a sci-fi <laughs> movie. <laughs> it's, I'm interested in everything. Right. Okay. Like I, I, I love stories like I love, you know, um, but it, it's well, what is the idea? You know, so yep. so it's like, tell me the idea. Tell me the the, the log line. Tell me what of it is course. about. And then I'll know like, yeah, this is something I'd like to write potentially because now I have, you know, felt inspired by it and I feel mm. like, oh, motivated by it or whatever it is. Other way around, would Farah actually direct a sci-fi movie? Yes. If it's a good story and a mm -hmm. good script, yes, I would. You okay. see what I mean? So yeah. it's like, am I sitting there going, oh, I'd like to write a sci-fi movie? No, I'm not sitting here going, yeah, I, I'd really like to write a sci-fi yeah, movie. Yeah, because my, qu my next quest question would be, what film genre you, you like? Because if you if your the film genre mm. you like is not included in sci-fi, then I mean you don't have sci-fi yeah, included. No, I love uh, honestly again. I I love all. I just like good films. Yeah, like yeah, you know I what I mean. What mean so yeah. there are some good sci-fi movies. There are some good action movies. There are some good comedies. There are some good dramas. There, you know, I tend me personally mm -hmm. towards the sort of drama, thriller, yes. drama, mm -hmm. um, drama, suspense. Um, uh, you know, but. But honestly, I can appreciate all different kinds of films as long as the the, the story, the script is yep. compelling. So, and I watch everything, various things. Yeah, I know that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but could the present 
after the... Have been the sci-fi? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and then the aliens no, remove no. him with the fridge. And <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> could, could the present be a comedy? Not, not the present. For me. Because no, everything can be a comedy. There is a scene. I don't want to say yeah, yeah, No, okay, let me, let me put it yeah, this way. Yeah, sorry. Everything can be comedy. And I have a very mm. dark sense of humor, by the way, as okay. well. Um, <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, people who know me know how much I love to laugh. And I am mm -hmm. a, I'm a, a funny person, actually. Yeah, yeah. I can, and I can talk to right? that. <laughs> and yet, when it's come to whatever I've written, and really, it, it's not funny. Now, that said, I have another... Um, potential feature film mm -hmm. that I've written a story from and I've begun the script um, and it is a drama comedy mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. um, and it is you know Palestine and you know and, and uh, Palestine UK and but it's it, it really is what you're inspired by right so ultimately anything can become a comedy now a situation like the present would be a dark comedy if yes, it was going to yeah. be a comedy no, right no, yeah. now the funny thing was that in the in the shoot, there is a couple of moments and even, um, you know, in scenes mm -hmm. where the humor, uh, we had some humor, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and we kept certain cute light moments that made sense. But actually in edit, I, I pulled out uh, one or two moments that were funny and cute, but they were out of genre. Ah, yeah. And I, I thought, oh, now we are moving into a bit of comedy and mm -hmm. this film, you know, we can't, you know. It would have it would affect mm. the, yeah, yeah. What you mean. so I, 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 I took him out basically yeah. um, because yeah. let me rephrase my question is you I think there is a potential comedian uh, screenwriter yeah, and you mm. I mean, that's there is by the way <laughs> that's what I see it's just when I see I just don't know, for yeah. The, yeah just for the present yeah I see I see that that screenwriter on you but I can't say the scene. I can't say which one. But you understood me which scene I'm talking <laughs> about in the present. That might be. That could lean towards comedy. I think there's a couple of places in the present. Is, that I mean, look, I co-wrote the script with Hin Shafani, who's a Palestinian filmmaker. And, um, and, and you know, we, 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 def we definitely wanted to lend moments that were light. And I know that in my storytelling and in the, my latest feature film script, um, you know, I think it's really important to have up and down, if mm -hmm. you like. You can't just have a continuous emotion or type of emotion this running through the film. This is how we build sympathy. We, you can't build it, build it otherwise. Yes, yes, true. But also just naturally in storytelling. Otherwise, it becomes almost monotonous yeah. or too heavy or too you light. Contrast. Or too, you, you know, yeah, contrast yeah. in any, any way. Yeah, because you're yeah. taking people on an emotional journey, exactly. right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It should. Um, well, two affinity shots, too many affinity shots or... I mean, yeah, you need contrast between shots or between moments. Yes. Otherwise, it's boring. As yes. Said, yeah. And that's why these moments with, you know, with him and his daughter or um, with the salesman or, you know, there's these cute light moments. But like I said, we had a bit more and it just, oh, now I got to take this out, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I see. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you, you yeah, I, I totally see what you mean. What film genre inspires you? Well, I think it's still, you know, we were saying I'm drawn to the sort of drama, thriller, yep. drama, suspense. That's where I, inspires me with my work. Do you see what yeah. I mean? Like yeah, yeah, that's yeah. because, and I think that's because that's the kind of films I'm making at the moment. Um, and, and, you know, so, 
But I, I, I love honestly as long as it's a good movie for you as long as it's a good movie yeah, it's great and you know for me what is a good movie is i i ha i have to feel <laughs> various emotions of course you know yeah, doesn't yeah. that way i have to feel and i also want to be engaged like mm -hmm. it can't i i i kind of i'm not telling you i judge a film the moment i kind of reach for my phone or you know i'm distracted and happy to be distracted because that can still happen in a good film sometimes mm -hmm. and that just means to me that the editing wasn't perfect meaning mm -hmm. we could have tightened this film yeah, a little bit more so it doesn't suddenly mean that that's not a good film but i tend to find that the films i watch where i was constantly engaged and i you know didn't think of anything else and i didn't need to reach and check up if my phone or you know answer a message or that's a film that has engaged me completely. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. And I have felt emotions. Then this is a this is a great film. I totally agree. Uh, but I think it differs from one person to another, right? Mm. For instance, uh, I don't know if you watched uh, No Country for an Old Man mm. by the uh, Coen Brothers. I mm. love the ending. For me, it's mm. one of the best ending. In the I film. haven't watched it, so I can't tell you. No. <laughs> Don't go and watch it. I will. I, yeah. I, it's on my list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was on my list. I, my list is so huge. I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> but for other people, they 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 think it's crap. I mean, for mm. them, the ending is not, it's wrong. But sure. It's okay, but it's a matter of opinion. So exactly. that's what yeah, a good yeah, film to you is, and that's yeah, what a yeah, bad totally film agree. is to them. That's yeah, yeah, you know, we're no, not all going to agree on what a good film is. Listen, we, I've we can't. I've watched some films. I'm going to say it that have won major awards, and I'm thinking. Okay. That didn't do it for me. <laughs> no, I agree. And then I've watched some films that didn't win major awards. And I thought this is a really good film and this did not get the attention and the, the you know. And look, a lot of it is also timing, marketing. No, I agree. Did you manage to get a great actor in it? So yes, their performance was phenomenal, for example. Mm -hmm. The film itself wasn't, or you know. Um, I, I Again, I'm, I'm not someone who just goes with the flow. Everyone says it's a great film. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, a great yeah, film. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I, I, it's my opinion. And, and vice versa. And it's, so. it's like when I watch a movie, I watched movies like, I don't know, The Godfather, for instance, 10, 15 years ago. And now with, I mean, I'm older, more experienced, hope so. <laughs> so you see things differently. Even even sometimes the, the movies that you maybe enjoyed watching <laughs> 10, 15 years ago, you see them differently now. So even yourself, yeah. you're a different yes, person. Yes, of course. <laughs> yes, exactly. Who you are, you've grown, you've yeah. changed. But also, again, we know because of time yeah. and thing. And the funny part I have is actually watching films from a long time ago that I clearly did not understand back then yeah, and actually appreciate <laughs> more now uh, in some ways. So it's, it, it's both ways. There's some films you're like, and I thought that was a good movie. Why? <laughs> and then at the same time, I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't know that that's what this film was really about because I was just so naive or... I didn't under you know whatever it is so it's you know for me it's worse because uh, in France there is dubbing so mm. back then my English was even worse than now so <laughs> so when I rewatch the movie in the let's say in English wow I have a completely different perspective sometimes <laughs> yeah why did uh, as, as you said why I did like that movie but then, <laughs> and then so yeah it's yeah. even worse for me <laughs> how do you plan your movies from a directing point of view even from the moment I have like that first draft, anything that comes into my mind visually that is, is uh, I'm inspired, I, like it's fitting to what I feel like that scene could be like or so forth, even if it's a shot angle or um, uh, a piece of music mm -hmm. 
or wh whatever it is, I make sure I note it down. Because mm -hmm. I know one year from now, when I'm finally shooting this, and by the way, with filmmaking, it could be three years from now, Ooh. or whenever, it, you know what I mean? I can't suddenly be remembering and feeling all those things and thoughts and inspirations that have accumulated over one year, two years, three years. Mm -hmm. So I make it a point to note things down. Half of those notes are going to be meaningless to me later. I, you know, ultimately, I might have changed my mind on something or by the time it comes to mm -hmm. actually <coughs> really prepping for the film. It doesn't matter because there's a lot of, of gems mm -hmm. in, in those notes later. And you go, yeah, I remember why I wanted that way, this shot or that shot or, you know, or um, uh, specific uh, uh, background mm -hmm. or um, whatever it is. So mm -hmm. I make notes all the time. And if you look at my phone, for example, you will see literally you can scroll, 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 scroll under the uh, under my <laughs> <laughs> under my film. You know, what I mean? um, I, I've got so many notes and it could be technical. It could be acting wise. Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. could be emotional. It could be, you know, yeah, music. Yeah. It could be edit. It literally could be, uh, you know, and yeah, when I'm uh, yes. And when I'm even watching films mm -hmm. and I see something that like I'm like, oh, yeah, this is beautifully done. And I might take a shot, remember it. And I file that mm -hmm. because that's inspiration, mm -hmm. you know, and references, so references, references, of yeah. course. Yeah. And you have to be constantly building references, not at the 11th hour. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> not at the 11th hour. Now, as a producer, this mm -hmm. is a different thing. And as executive producing. Mm -hmm. So, you know the fundraising side of things is just a different beast. Yeah. I hate the process, but I do the process. I'm part of the process, which ultimately is, you know, you've got to be... Super difficult. I mean, yeah, uh, but I think it's really, you know, I think it's really important as a producer, you know, you, you have to know what it is that you're trying to make. Mm -hmm. You have to have your presentations mm -hmm. and your, you know, it's... it's uh, you can't just hope that you know oh, I've got an idea and and yeah. hope someone's gonna go here you go here's the money you you've got to bring them in to so do to you treat it like a project actually. yeah yes you know ultimately you're selling of course yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah, marketing now, yeah and my 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 investment background yeah ha has helped me with that mm -hmm. right so so I bring those things into play but you know you've you've got to cover all of that as mm -hmm. well um and that of course involves a lot of communication right yep. and you know that kind of side of things and then the producing side of things is you know your i guess for me because um i i'm quite strategic in my thinking i think it's really important to be quite strategic always looking quite far ahead mm -hmm. you know the the goals and the milestones again and uh, because i wear the directing and the writing hat as well mm -hmm. I'm a producer who empathizes with myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you get my meaning? Yeah, it's yeah, like I a, you, yeah. you know, uh, whereas maybe pure producers would not necessarily have the same mindset as I do as a producer. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, see, I exactly see what you mean. And also like the budget element, for example, yeah. because I'm producing and directing, for example, I appreciate and respect what what it means what, yeah. what a budget means and where i am with that i'm not just like oh uh, get me a crane <laughs> whatever <laughs> you know you know it's like oh we gotta avoid uh, yeah, that of course yeah yeah, need four drones. yeah. or like fire scenes yeah. <laughs> we were discussing <laughs> earlier yeah 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 that could that could be quite expensive <laughs> <laughs> if you want to burn the forest well greenpeace won't be i'm gonna call you <laughs> for your vfx <laughs> yeah you're more than welcome many times uh is the creative industry more unpredictable than banking have you found ways to create familiar, almost mathematical patterns 
or do you prefer the fact that the creative industry is different that way? <laughs> so it's not that I prefer it, but no, I think no, I think um, I think filmmaking is 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 far less uh, predictable mm -hmm. um, and consistent, and you know the troubleshooting that you need to in making film. And the unknowns are far more than in in banking, mm -hmm. and you know, and the the risk taking is a different kind of risk taking. Of course, in, in banking, maybe it's financial oh risk taking, yeah. but I mean, uh, it's uh, and on the one hand, I like stability. I like you know knowing. I like some of the predictability of things. Okay, okay because um, I I. I in in making a film it's 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 pretty terrifying you know <laughs> yeah, if you don't finish and you've run out of money for example it's like <laughs> <laughs> you know or you 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 you'd scheduled everything and you're literally chasing the light i mean it's a just it's but of course the thrill and the adrenaline of it is also super exciting um but then again, when I was investment banking, there was thrill and adrenaline, if you like. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm drawn to is this creative element, the mm -hmm. creative side of things, not the side of like, oh my god, this is making me stressed. Or no, I don't like that part of it so much. Mm -hmm. I didn't like that part of it so much in in in, in running a business or being in investment yeah. banking. Mm -hmm. I like the creation side of things, mm -hmm. and that's what you don't get in investment banking or you know so for me it's they're both pretty crazy but mm -hmm. um i'd say filmmaking is far more n unpredictable and uh but um, it's not that i'm embracing that and going yeah that's why i'm drawn to this that's not what i'm drawn to i'm drawn to the creative side of it um and i also seen and can see directors who and I think that's why I need to be as organized as I can. So bring all the skill sets and experiences of my previous work into my filmmaking um, I think work. for you it's the yin and, and the yang. Yeah. So basically you have your, let's say, because of your career in investment banking and your creativity side, you have like a good balance between the two. Yeah. And uh, I think this is one of your strong points as a, as a director and producer because you, you can manage both as it should. And you have a good combination. Yeah. So the merge, the result of these two. Is what we got, yeah. right? Right, exactly. And, that, and that's exactly it. And so it's like I can use this yin, let's say, yeah. to minimize um, the unpredictability yes. and the difficulties and the you know disorganization, if you like, or that often is on, let's say, film sets and making yeah, films yeah. or whatever. I can minimize it. I can't eliminate of it. Of course you can. But yeah. I can use that to minimize it. And I can also use my mindset and my strategic kind of, you know, whatever it is, mm -hmm. in my communication skills or whatever it is, to progress the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, knowing that I also... Um, Directing the film yeah, yeah, yeah. in a creative way, you know what I mean. So it's I, yeah, yeah. it's working for me yeah, yeah, in that okay. sense. Yeah, I don't know what point I'll kind of maybe <laughs> no, 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 I totally give agree. up one side or you know, but yeah, I mean some sometimes one part take over the a little bit to the other because of the circumstances and vice versa. Yeah, sometimes the production side will take a little bit over than the creative side mm. because otherwise we can't mm. finish. So we have to choose. Either we finish yes, the movie exactly, or we don't do exactly. It. So at some point you say. I prefer maybe to have 
a 70% project done rather than nothing. So it depends on any, I mean, depends yeah. on the people. Depends I, on but I, I think for me, it's not about like how many things can I write and then they just sit on the table uh, or no, how yeah. many, you know, am I, um, uh, no, what I, I don't think any any filmmaker wants that, but yeah, I'm just saying that you become a serial writer or, a, or you, you want to direct, but you never actually finish anything. Or yeah, we, you, we value the know. quality, not the quantity. It's not about yes, writing exactly. hundreds of scripts. It doesn't matter. Exactly. I prefer, it's like for us in VFX, actually. So when new people are coming in to the industry, sometimes they have very long stories. This is sometimes... For actors, it's fine, but for VFX artists, we don't need that. Mm. So sometimes you have a junior artist uh, coming out from school and he have like a four minute or five minute shorty. Mm -hmm. So that's super long. Mm. Big companies uh, in London or everywhere in the world, they will never watch a five uh, minute shorty because they, they receive sometimes like roughly 500 applications a day. So we won't have the time to do this. Wow. So basically, the shorter it is, the better, mm -hmm. because we straight away, in 10 seconds, 15 seconds, we can see what's mm. going on, and it's more than enough for us to say, okay, you are good enough to jump in. And oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's mm. uh, because the, the quality is more important than the quantity. Yes. You, you, we can do whatever, I mean, 200 minute show really if you want, but it mm. doesn't matter. When we see the first 30 seconds, we can know, okay, right. this person had the skill, know where to place the light, for instance, if he's a lighter, mm. know how to do fire, if he's a FX. So, mm. so yeah, we always, uh, the prim prim uh, primary criteria uh, for recruitment is the quality. Yes. I think it's the yes. same thing for writing. Mm. So for writing, it doesn't matter how many scripts you wrote. Mm. Yes, but I don't, I also though don't, you know, there's a lot of times when I see kind of, let's call it the artists in yeah. the industry mm -hmm. where they are too involved in just that creative side of things that nothing gets finished, nothing yeah, yeah. gets done. So they are serial writers and they are this project and that project, but nothing actually, you know, materializes. And that's also a danger. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it is take your time and, you know, focus on something and it is quality over quantity. But it's also a problem when you see people. I don't want to say procrastinating, that's not the word, but they're sort of so into that dreaming mm. room that they don't know how to come out of it almost. The bubble. And yeah, and then, okay, well. Yeah, I think you have a great balance between the two. You, you ca I think you kept the creativity from where uh, from where you were a child and that st stick with you all those years. And then through your career, you learned new things, new way of doing things. Mm. And this helped you. Yeah. to produce and even write. And I'm sure you had amazing writing skills even before being a writer or director. Otherwise, it's impossible. Yeah, yeah, write. no, and I, I've just written my, you know, my latest script, which is 110 yeah. pages long. And, it, you know, no, I, I, no, and I did, you know, English literature, A-level. And, yeah, you know, it's you not like, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, but um, again, it's like an imposter syndrome thing. I started off not quite knowing, okay, can I write dialogue? Can I write script? Can I? Yeah. And I'm learning, of course. Of course and of I'm course. and even that creative side of me, I'm still nourishing it, nurturing it, mm. and, and giving it permission to kind of evolve. Mm. And um, you know what I mean. And I hope that it, it is going to grow and, yeah, and yeah, like yeah. watering it, and you know. So, yeah. As an Armenian filmmaker, Pelishian said, "I'm convinced that cinema can convey certain things that no language in the world can translate." For me, it goes back to the Tower of Babel. 
to before the, the division into different languages. The power of shorts and visual work, uh, like Nabulsi's, is the universal message they convey and the humanity that bring into a people whose humanity and mere existence is constantly questioned and erased, using a seemingly normal thing such as an errand uh, with your daughter for a gift to show how much colonialism strips away from you your time, your life. Even language barriers can't stop you from understanding, understanding what that pain must be like. Thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to understand your uh, working process better uh, and for your time. Thank you very much, Farah. I really appreciate uh, this. I had a really nice time. Hope you had the same. I did. Thank <laughs> you. Really, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate mm -hmm. it. Uh, good luck for your next feature film. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you very much, everyone. See you soon. Bye-bye.